0: Chao, What's a shot.
1: In shocking move, Arsenal petitions the Premier League to reformat as a digital media and p r company leaving this silly football lark behind. This is the Arsenal Vision Post Match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter at Yankee gunner that's right. the football who needs it? Who cares about it? Football Uh What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Um, Arsenal have proven that really when it comes to content creation, engagement, digital media, that's the stuff people care about. PR, that's what we want to celebrate. That's what we want to engage about. And uh, the football can be left behind. Sadly, those of us who still toil away in the trenches of football, like myself and my crew here, uh, we have to talk about the football. So we will come on to all of the issues. Ozil resigning, Aubameyang arriving, the outgoing players. I can't think of anyone Really critical that left, but I'm sure maybe there was someone. I don't know. Maybe it'll come to me. Um, we'll also talk about uh, the manager. There were some rumors there, but we are going to talk about the Swansea game because it was fertile ground for complaining, which is what I do best anyway. And we're going to do it with Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Hello there, indeed. Pause on Twitter at Pause in My Pants. Hey, Pause.
2: Hello, Elliot. Uh, rather than a digital media company, could we petition to join the Bundesliga?
1: I mean, we're kind of doing that already in some ways, right? Um, We're halfway
2: there. We can't be further behind the leaders.
1: Well, hey, to be fair, if we're there, then there's only one club that we can be staring up at. Having said that, Paul, we'd have to play them twice a year, and we know what happens when we play Bayern Munich twice a year, right? Or two times. 10-2. 10-2, yeah. Uh, And Clive's on Twitter at ClivePAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Scott will be along momentarily. I say momentarily. That could be 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 50 minutes. My guess is this will be a bumper edition. There's quite a bit to get to. Look, so that we keep you hashtag listening, let's talk about the football first. Um, It was a trip to Swansea, and in light of the results that have happened, subsequently really a disappointing day. Chelsea seemed to be in meltdown. United don't look great. Um, You know, there was every opportunity here to kind of put our cat amongst their pigeons, which sounds kind of dirty when you put it that way, and we didn't do it. Um, It was really a shocking performance statistically, visually, any way you want to sum it up, And, and uh, Paul, I'll start with you. Were you surprised that he didn't let Mkhitaryan start this game uh, from the beginning?
2: Uh, well, if for no other reason than he generally doesn't just bring him in and 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 plow
1: plow uh, so, over so some
2: other player. Let me
1: give context yep. just really quickly. There had been a rumor uh, who had said it. Um, Bold was it? Steve Bold had said he's flying in training. Uh, Ian Wright had said on yeah. the Arscast that Steve Bold had told him uh, that Becky's sister's boyfriend had said that he was flying in and training. In any way.
2: Yeah, yeah, I understand that. And I know you're all geared up for Obama Yang starting at the weekend, but, you know, so I'll, I wasn't shocked. I didn't expect him to start. I expected him to be introduced, especially for a player who's everybody would accept, including our manager and probably the player himself. His confidence is not what it is. Why Why heap uh, the pressure, or put it another way, why put our problems on him to begin with? At least we brought him in as a savior who didn't make things any worse than they already were, whereas if he'd started, he would have been fully contaminated. So it might be a saving grace.
1: I guess that's one way to look at it. Um, Tim, in terms of that lineup, these players to me look like players who are now just kind of confused about what they're supposed to be doing. We've gone back three, we've Mm -hmm. gone back four, we've gone back three from a back four mid-game. Elneny dropping into the defense, out of possession, moving into the midfield in possession. Uh, We started the game really poorly, and we'll come on to the goal we scored, which was quite brilliant between Ozil and Nacho, but prior to that we were really getting our ass handed to us. To you, is it as simple as the players looking a little confused in terms of what they're supposed to be doing at this point? (coughs)
3: Yeah, I, I think so. Um, a lot of them ahead of the ball all the time, which particularly when you've got four at the back, just made us so open to the counter attack. And um, it was it was basically everything that was bad about about the back four. You know, it reminded me of that, that Palace game um, that caused the switch in the first place, where you know Allardyce, in uh, and, and with um, an air of uncharacteristic smugness, uh, <laughs> delighted everyone in in telling everyone about his game plan of just hooking the ball into the channels and. All right, Swansea didn't quite do it that way, but it was very much, "Yep, we'll sit, we'll sit, we'll sit. And then the second you mess up, which Arsenal frequently do on the ball um, at the moment, they're just technically a very untidy team. Um, We'll go for you. We'll go for those channels. And we just didn't have the space to cover it. And I don't know if it's also just that the players are a bit used to playing in a back three, uh, particularly the centre-halves, and perhaps they just find it difficult to get their spacing back um, when they go back to a back four. So, um, yeah, I I, I think it was a bit of that. I I do think that with the signings we've made, we will probably go back to a back four on a more regular basis, and this was probably, I think, the first real step towards that. But I think maybe the manager underestimated Swansea's capacity on the the counter-attack and just expected them to purely defend Um, which which they didn't. They had a game plan coming forward as well. And, you know, that Klukas equaliser, if you look at it, is the exact carbon copy of the goal Swansea scored that Sam Klukas scored at the Emirates. It's exactly the same. Um, And so, you know, they obviously had identified uh, some weaknesses, um, probably the same ones they identified last time, albeit with a different manager and... Yeah, we we just I think there were a few players that looked quite confused and really we were just we were just sloppy everywhere really.
1: Yeah, and and I mean I have to give it to you Tim because you said that these smaller clubs if they go for us a little bit have a chance to have yeah. some joy and so you really you really share some of the blame for this. Um I know <laughs> it's it's pretty popular on Twitter right now to talk about the bloggers and podcasters who are to blame for the state of the the club but I think in your case <laughs> we have to say it it's it's fairly true um so thanks for that <laughs> i i want to yeah well done uh clive i want to come on to the good real quick and that is the goal um has resigned i think we all believe that's important we can do a section on that but while no one was at their scintillating best in this game it was a classic example of a moment of brilliance changing a game and, and really should have been a changing point for the game it turned out not to be the ball over the top the run from nacho monreal um, that is not an easy pass to make or an easy run to spot. And to be fair to Monreal, it's it's not an easy finish. How impressed were you with both players in that move?
4: Yeah, it was beautiful, wasn't it? What we saw was somebody running off the ball and somebody in wide areas running off the ball and somebody with the ability to to find them. And it, it, we're almost back to the formation again. I, I know Tim sort of spoke about it briefly, but I've got to have a go on this one. I, I do think we are... We have become a back three team, and we should be a back three a lot more away from home. And when people want a back four, what they're thinking about is is getting people into midfield they like, and getting people up front they like. What we're not realising is the makeup of our midfield is they're not very good defensively they're not defensively aware they don't run backwards very well so we need the extra security of defenders our, wing, our full backs don't push quite as high in the back four as they do in the back three so we haven't got the width so we, we look very sideways like when we play so we pass we pass we pass, we pass. and then until it gets to us we might do something a bit special but then because there's no Sanchez now he's getting targeted and and so basically I think the back three away from home is a simple strategy where we, get our, we cover wide areas, we cover the weaknesses in midfield, and we cover the weaknesses at centre-backs. The only players that want to play wide are backs We have no real wingers anymore. And teams are just sitting there in a tight, narrow block waiting for us to make a mistake. And they're not even kicking it long, Tim. They're actually running straight through the middle because there's yeah, nobody yeah. there. They're yeah. carrying the balls. Big Sam booted it long and chased after it. They just ran through. Leeway Fur just literally ran through our midfield and Shaka and Ramsey were higher, and O'Neill was too deep, and there was a big hole in the middle. And we got to we got to simplify this and say, come on guys, away from home, let's just cover the pitch, let's just make sure we're secure, and let's make decisions on people. If on, who needs to play, who doesn't need to play. We we watched the back three, of Shaka and Ramsey in the middle of the midfield. We we don't love it, but it works up to a point. It's a seven out of ten midfield. It has its issues, but if you get Ramsey playing properly, like he did at Chelsea. It can work. Let's just go to that way at home, right? Because we're normally in charge, but away from home, we lost. Was it seven away games we've lost? Yeah, it's I think it's basically bad. we are <laughs> we're hitting rock bottom there. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
4: yeah. So we need to really, really quickly.
1: Well, the good news is we don't have um, any big away games coming up. Certainly not against any major rivals at a place where there might be somewhere in the neighborhood of 60,000 screaming fans uh, up against us. But we'll, we'll see. And the good thing is also not a team that puts us under pressure in and out of possession. So, yeah, should be no problem. Uh, Paul, just really quickly, from a creative standpoint, I thought we really lacked anyone to, to take the creative responsibility. And it's easier to target mesodozo right now, I think, because there's not as many people that are stepping up and taking that responsibility Iwobi, I thought, struggled to come to terms with the game, and Ramsey didn't seem as comfortable with his role as he has throughout the season. I think in the back three, when it was him and Shaka, and Shaka was sitting and he was running, he kind of looked like he understood that role and like he was enjoying it. This was not a good game for him. Do you think one of the struggles we had was just the build-up generally, and that Ramsey didn't really know how to get involved?
2: Yeah, well, I don't know if I intimated this, but I, I didn't actually watch the game. Ah, so okay. Well um, we can come to you
1: but, on the transfer stuff.
2: <laughs> no, no, hang on, hang on. So extrapolate my wife my wife used to be in a book club and uh she told me about a book she was reading and I dropped her off at the book club and stuck around once and joined in the conversation and ended up in a really heated debate about the book.
1: I can I can picture so, that. Yeah. yeah. Um
2: well So we, that shouldn't hold me back.
1: Well, we can come back to you on the Ramsey thing. Let me ask you about something then that, that you will have seen. Um, because I know you've at least seen the highlights of their goal, their yeah, equalizer. You know, look, Shaka has started to come in for criticism, and and I know now with Cocklin gone and Giroud gone, it is incumbent upon me to have someone to really focus all of my negativity and criticism on. And Shaka's is really stepping up, I think, to be that guy. Uh, he yep. has the broad shoulders to carry that weight. It seems this this was a problematic goal. Look, Ozil gets the ball in a difficult position. Hector Bellerin starts bombing forward, doesn't really give him the angle to give it to him. Ozil loses the ball. And from there, there are the mistakes. he doesn't really step up to cut out the pass or press the, the, the ball carrier at that point. But Shaka just watches Klukas. He just watches him. He watches him go past. He watches him going on goal. And the entire time from when he sees Klukas over his shoulder to when Klukas scores the goal, Shaka covers maybe half a yard. How troubling is that clip for you to watch in terms of Shaka's focus, defensive awareness, positioning, everything?
2: Uh, very. Uh, to pick up on Tim's point, there's a really interesting moment where the dude uh, Kashelny's marking uh, kind of has his back to Kashelny and is, but his arms wrapped around Kashelny because he knows what they're going to do with Klukas right there. Yeah, he he's literally marking Kashelny the way a center back's supposed to mark a forward he has him pinned cuz he knows they're going to run right up that gap that's an absolutely planned play i just don't think they knew they were going to hit the pick the jackpot with it being Chaka who's the the wide cover there and chaka's you know chaka checks over his shoulder and he sees two guys towards the wing that he maybe confuses himself with and he see, he sees the guy uh, he sees Klukas running past him but in an instant the guy's it, it, uh, the only area i have some sympathy for him is having screwed up once he sees Klukas has passed him he's gone but his whole reaction tells you is his head's just not clued into what his job was in that situation he needed to shore up the defense keep it compact stay tight to the center back all that kind of obvious stuff. He Not looks over me, his channel. shoulder
1: twice. He looks for him. He sees yeah. him. He's there, and he just he just kept keeps drifting wider. He doesn't
2: I, know his job. He doesn't know his job right there.
1: I almost feel like what happens is, you know, he tucks in to to fill in the fullback position that Bellerin has vacated, and it's almost like he's patting himself on the back. Like, look at me. I occupied the position I'm supposed to occupy. Now I can just stop playing. I, it's very very troubling, and the problem is that this is the guy in our midfield who. I, I realize when El then he's playing, maybe less so, but it's supposed to nominally be a defensive influence, and he just doesn't seem to have those instincts. But I mean, Paul, is yeah. it, is it so, hyperbole to say that he's quit there, that he's not paying attention? Because to me, you know, that game was sloppy and unfocused, and that moment is is has nothing to do with Shaka's skill. A low skill yeah. player can can cut out that chance sure. relatively easily just by being focused.
2: Yeah, I mean. Look, the conditions as as I understand it were just abysmal, which is not an excuse, but it is a bit of an explanation as to how this was such an off game because this this could have been an okay game had things gone a little differently. Or we
1: had gotten or ourselves would... in front. I mean that's the that's why it yeah. pisses me off so much. Okay, the conditions are bad. It's not a great place to be playing football at the moment, but you've gotten ahead and now you just yeah. have to concentrate. That's all you have to do. You know, this is yeah, this is Manchester game, City.
2: Yeah, but with this Arsenal team this season, it doesn't really matter if we go ahead or behind. The first goal doesn't seem to be that meaningful. Uh you know, Chelsea goes ahead, we catch them. Uh we go ahead, we lose it. And we've seen this time and time again. The first goal does not determine uh a win in an Arsenal game, whether it's away or, or away at or at home yep. seems to determine the result.
1: Yeah.
2: Um so but I also think that what you see with Chaka is a guy Who's clearly out of sorts, uh, and it's probably reflective of the dysfunction of the team at the moment for all sorts of reasons. Uh, and we'll come into that with with uh, discussions of the manager and the signings and stuff. But you know, there's more going on there than a guy who didn't know his job, and you really see that in the body language as soon as the guy's gone past him.
1: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, Tim, how about a quick word on Shaka, just so we can get maybe a variety of perspective here in case we're piling on the guy, unfortunately. In, for you and for the away support, is he becoming a, a, a source of frustration and maybe a target for some mm. concern?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so, I think so. And um, <clears throat> I mean, part of part of me kind of has some sympathy with him because we're getting angry at him for being something that he's clearly not. A um, uh, professional you know, football player? <laughs> <laughs> because he's, he's a decent player with lots of uh, really kind of valuable qualities. But uh, he's, to me, he's just so far from what Arsenal need in that position. Um, you know, we've got, we've got loads of players who like to get on the ball, who like to receive it and get the ball forward either by carrying it or by passing it or, you know, Xhaka likes to pass it long. We've got lots of players who just like to get on the ball. And what and and what that means is that what Arsenal really 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 need at the base of their midfield is someone who's switched off off the ball, whose focus is getting it back. And whether that's and those sorts of players tend to fall into two types, and we've seen them both down the years. You've got the kind of Arteta, Gilberto knows where to stand, knows how to block people. You know, is alive to danger. Um, or you've got the kind of Coquelin, Flamini, just run around like a madman and fly into tackles and you know and there's merits to both to them and and arsenal need one or the other and and jack is just neither uh off the ball he's unbelievably switched off probably even more than some of our attacking players but but that that's clearly not who he is um you know it's not like and and that's why i, I don't think you can coach him to get slightly better um, but you're not going to turn him into a different player and a different person overnight. That's not that, That's definitely not how Arsene Wenger and coaches either. You know, Wenger is, and there's a lot of logic in this, Wenger's much more focused on accentuate your strengths because, you know, to use a fairly crude mathematical analogy, if you're 8 out of 10 somewhere, it makes sense to try and get yourself up to 10 out of 10 and maximise that rather than going from like... Four out of ten to five out of ten yeah, that's good point. on something else, which you know ultimately doesn't really gain you that much. And so, I just I just think Xhaka is the wrong player in the wrong team, and that doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad player, but he's you know he's just kryptonite, I think, um, for Arsenal at the moment. And I, I really think Arsenal have got to try something else. It's time for him position. to sit down,
1: right? I mean, is it time yeah. for maitland Niles or, or just just not him?
3: I I, I mean. I'd be tempted with Maitland-Niles, um, but at the same time, just because, you know, why not? <laughs> and I'm still not 100% convinced by Elneny, albeit I, I kind of think Elneny better than Jacker, and perhaps, you know, coach him to play just five or ten yards further up the pitch and try and dominate the central zone of the pitch rather than kind of firefighting on the edge of his area. Uh, just being a bit braver, by, you know, but... You know, yeah, possibly Maitland Niles. Um, we've we've really only seen him play in midfield once in the first team, and I I am a little bit concerned that we're putting a lot on him. You know, um, you know, seeing him as the encapsulation of everything we haven't got, well, we, we just don't really know yet, and it's it's quite a bit of pressure to put on him. I, can't you know, it can't be worse try. though, right?
1: I mean, like we're plumbing no. some pretty some pretty steep depths
3: uh, in that. But role. if he if he turns in what Jacques is turning in at the moment you know you're looking at potentially properly destroying <laughs> a young player um, so yeah I, I kind I think it's worth a try but I'm really wary about hanging my hat on it if I were the manager I'd probably looking at what I've got which is basically we don't have enough in that position but if I was looking at what I've got I'd, I'd probably go with Elneny who I don't think is perfect because I still think he's dribbled past slightly too easily sometimes but I'd probably say look you play, but don't you know? Don't necessarily do this centre-back defensive midfielder hybrid thing. Just play a little bit further up and cover the spaces, you know, in the middle of the pitch, yeah. Um, rather than just on the edge of your area. But yeah, I you know, I I just think Jack is a a bad fit.
1: Yeah, and, and basically. I I mean, I think look, to me, so we're reaching a point now with the formations, and we talked about being confused, but. The relationship between Awobi, Shaka, Ramsey, El in this game was very confusing to me. I don't think they understood mm. how they were supposed to be working together, and it looked like kind of four strangers on a pitch together at times. Um, hey, Elliot. Yes,
2: can I ask him a question? I mean, uh, in that area,
1: it's it's out of form. I mean, it's it's out of order. But sure, go go for it. I know.
2: Um, there's probably no mileage to this, and I'm grasping at very wet straws. But were the conditions? Given that we're already kind of teetering on confusion and and disruption mm. and and a certain amount of chaos, as our you know this would be the third time we were playing some version of this El Nenny thing, backing mm. into the, the the center backs or you know, and even that if you look at the Chelsea game, look at the ver- the variants we played in that one particular game. Was there a sense, I and mean, I, I think... It com- you take a page it out of my clear- book of
1: how to ask a question here, Paul.
2: <laughs> yeah, you see it with the natural <laughs> clearance that led to a goal. You see it with mm. maybe checks, uncertainty, as the, bog come, yeah, yeah. the ball comes into this boggy marshland. Was Did it also just make our midfielders uh, and our defence not know where their spacing was as kind of things turned against them?
3: I, if Maybe, but if I hadn't seen it, in pretty much every other away <laughs> game this season, you didn't um, think this was, was even yeah. a bit more. Mm, not, not really. No. Yeah. Um, okay. I, 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 th- I think I think you make um, a good point on you know Nacho kind of misjudging his clearance for the third goal and you know the 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 second. Basically, it was a it was a pretty poor performance, like we've seen in many of the games we've drawn away from home this season, but. It just had kind of those two mistakes in it, just to add to the flavor. Although I think Swansea created more than we did. Um, it, it's possible, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be um, high up on my explanation um, chart. Yeah, look, I Not mean that, I, that exists. Bummer.
1: I think look, I think <laughs> if you wanted to apply it as an excuse, you could apply it most obviously to the check clearance, right? I mean, mm. that's where you say maybe the, the the conditions had him a little worried about that kick, and is a reason he missed his kick, but. I think with the rest of it, it's it's just taking an opportunity to apply a condition and having it become an excuse. Um, Clive, one player who did not excel in this game, and I, I say this as someone who really likes him and thinks he has been good, if not as productive as we like, is Lacazette. This, for me, was the first game, at least the first one that comes to mind, where I thought he was actually bad. Um, I think... He's been starved of service at times this season, and still found ways to get involved. Still found ways to do things productive, but in this game, I thought he was poor. Do you agree that he was poor, and what what do you think the problem was?
4: Yep, well, you're not going to like my answer, right? So I'm going to. It's a lot of well, it's down to I mean, the. I am going to.
1: I'm going to lo- love it. I'm going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> I a lot mean... of a lot of
4: it's a lot of it's down to the psychology of players, right? And uh, I was having a little chat with Tim offline about this and about people who have that dominant gene, people who are dominant in what they do. And I've always had a look at Lacazette and I've always felt, I'm not sure how dominant you are and people were telling me yep we're going to get this player he's really strong he's really quick and I listened and I looked my my previous time I'd seen him play live I thought "Mm, I'm not sure I'm not sure he is a dominant player I'm not sure he's the person that we need to lead us every three days but let's see And and he started off quite brightly he looked quite confident and then he played Manchester United game, and since that game, it's like the air's come out the balloon. And you look at him now, and I, it, I know it's about football, but just look at him, and what your eyes tell you—he looks physically challenged. He looks mentally crushed. He doesn't look like he can lead us, right? And um, and this is a problem. I, I don't think he is a. Premier League every three day loan centre forward. To me, he is a forward-thinking, combining player that needs crowd scenes to make him feel good. I don't think he's got. I don't think he wants to lead. I mean, I I coach a team, but I don't want to manage that team. I don't want to do it. I want to coach. I want to do quiet one-to-one coaching. I don't want to manage the team. I don't want to lead the group. We've all got different personalities, and it's fine as long as you know what you are. You surround yourself with people that are appropriate. It's up to the manager to work out what he is, and it seems as though he has potentially by the new signing, etc. Mm-hmm. And and everyone's excited because we all know he can lead us. We all know it, right? We are hopeful anyway. With Lacazette, we thought, well, he was the player that we wanted. He's the best one available in the market. He's probably fifteen twenty k uh, twenty million too much. But you know what we need a striker we can't keep running around with Drew and Welbeck and Walker doesn't want to play there so and so we're all hopeful but I was always a little bit conservative about my love for him even though Manchester United was a very very good performance so what we have now is a player that really needs time to adapt he needs he needs that time, and I'm not sure at 50 million we're gonna he's gonna get that time because the expectation there was gonna be really really high. Uh, so
1: were you surprised at how slow he looked? I mean, I, I don't know why no, I, I thought no. he'd be quick, and and maybe to to Paul's point, conditions played in here. But there was a ball played through. I don't remember who played it, but it was played yeah. in behind Watford and Watford. Well, that was another great game, Uh Swansea, and yeah. he, he was in a foot race with the defender, and he got beat by the centre back, and. I, that was just shocking to me. I mean, has that surprised you, the lack of, of pace?
4: Not massively. He's quite quick moving. He, he's, first, he's quite quick of his thought process. So he's, he, he predicts movement in short spaces. That's why I always say he's a, he's, he's a player that needs crowd scenes because he needs people around him. He can read them, and he moves quicker than the defender. But if you make that 15, 15 meters, it's not going to happen for him. Right? That's, that's no surprise to me. And sometimes this is – I think this is our fault as fans. And uh, I think we have, much like Shaka, we think, well, he's the one, he needs to be doing a certain role. Tim's right. Shaka's never been that player. He's never been that defensive player. He plays with a guy for Switzerland called Zachariah, who does all that work for him, does all he's running for him, and he just gives Shaka the ball. Right? So, again, with Lacazette, we all thought he was going to be Ian Wright's stroke, Terry Henry. And when we look up and he's getting caught by people, we're thinking, well, that's not quite right. Why is he so quiet? Well, he hasn't got Ian Wright's. Tenaciousness. He hasn't got Ian right, I'm gonna do a two footy tackle and smyle sort of fighting personality. He hasn't got that. He's a quiet, nice guy that's quite articulate, quite cute, quite clever how he plays, but he's not that leader, that dominant player to lead us and and that's what we have. So it'd be interesting to see how we integrate him now. I personally feel he needs to rest in his two weeks off to rest and then we might get him back regenerated for the Europa League but that's that's why I would do I hope he doesn't play Saturday and I hope we can give him the time to just settle in
1: yeah I mean he could just do what Shaka does which is take two weeks off while still playing the games um, you know <laughs> it's not a bad not a bad strategy uh, two more things on this match I think we should get to and uh, Paul since you only saw highlights instead of watching the game seven times uh, let's go with something you have seen their, their second goal, I believe it's... Oh, well, a, final word on Lacazette, Paul? Since yeah, I want to
2: make a, a quick, smart-ass comment. So, I mean, it was it, it's terrible that we destroyed uh, Giroud's French career and kind of promoted Lacazette a, ahead of him, but we seem to have rectified that by getting him off to Chelsea and utterly destroying
1: Lacazette. So. <clears throat> there you go. We, we, did, we, we did Giroud two solids in the space of yeah. six months. Yeah. Um, so quickly on the on the check error, it's a bad throw yep. by Monreal, it's a bad pass yep. by Mustafi, and then yep. it's a bad kick by Check. Czech. Check's yep. getting slaughtered and people are sort of like check out now. I think they are prepared for him to be gone. And I look I, I don't know why I'm not there yet. you would expect yeah. me to be one of the first in line. I, Yo, yeah. I feel that he has been okay as a shot stopper this season. I actually bailed us out in a lot of situations. Um he hasn't been chucking them into, chucking into his own net. He hasn't been Minule or, or whoever their other guy is, who's also carious or whatever. Um, I think he's been fine. Look, this is a mistake, but this is the kind of mistake that any football player can make, and is not indicative of a decline as a player. But maybe there's a blind spot for me there. I, I did see a statistic that his he has more, tied for the most errors or more errors or something like that than any other goalkeeper yeah. leading the goals in the
2: Premier four League? four errors in 24 games obviously Yeah, which look um, i mean
1: that's the number four is not a big number right if it was three he might be 20th in the list i don't know but my question to you is do we need to start looking at a change in keep i we're going to change keeper probably in the summer and go forward but for right now is is keeper a position we need to be thinking about
2: uh well i wouldn't do anything this season um and we need to be a little bit fair, which is if you look at all, we've conceded a lot of goals. The vast majority of them have nothing to do with Peter Cech. Um He's made a few mistakes, but I, I wouldn't have thought this was a particularly buggy season for a keeper. Uh, yeah. You could pick out a few moments, but, I mean, he do. We all know that he does a lot that's good in terms of organization and, and commanding the box and coming for crosses. We're very good off set pieces and corners, and that's probably no accident. Overall, um, so you know, with swings and roundabouts. I personally don't remember a lot of glaring howlers. Uh, a, a few goalkeeping situations where I thought he should have done better, and a, a few that led to a goal. But then. I've seen that happen even with Tehera a couple of times this season. So well,
1: maybe not Tehera, but,
2: but yeah. no, I, yeah, no, he's fucked up like twice. I think while to be, I was well. To watching be fair, him. he's also
1: pretty much singularly the reason they're like twelve goals ahead of their expected goals conceded.
2: <laughs> yeah, but when you're looking at the when because I've seen the same stat quoted again of you know four four clangers leading to a goal. Um, it, it's a funny old stat. I don't know how they even come up with it. So. I don't think it's meaningful that particular stat. We've all seen the performances, and there's a variety of opinions based on that. I certainly don't think he's he's our issue overall defensively, or even close to it. Um, that all happens somewhere between mid midfield and the centre backs, and you can see it on uh, what three of the goals all start with you know massive clangers ahead of them. Yeah. So
1: major mistakes that shouldn't be made. That put someone either bearing down on check or in on him unmarked yeah it's not it's not great i i guess look the fact is peder job security is guaranteed by a, a clause in his <coughs> contract called uh, the ospina clause where as long as david ospina is the backup there's no chance peder will lose his job
2: um and as long as Peter Cech doesn't try saving goals from behind the line yeah. he should be fine yeah it should be fine
1: <laughs> um and, and i do think look at the end of the day right now i will take a keeper who doesn't concede from situations so for example when we had Almunia in goal if you guys remember you could just crowd the box on any corner kick or free kick and play long into our box and it was the morris dancer it was a shit show it was easy to score from lofted balls into our box and a and lot of he that he
2: made everybody nervous yes even beyond the situations and, and you know we all love shesney and stuff but he had that kind of unpredictability about him beyond his performances you weren't you know that can be good or bad uh, and I don't want to get tim all fired up here but I, I'm just I'm just giving you a range of options right you had almunia who had his defense terrified chesney who had everybody wondering and check who's who has an aura of solid as a rock, even if he's not always solid as a rock. And that's a big deal for a defense, for them to know what the keeper's going to do.
1: Yeah, he did make one good save in this game. I can't remember what the situation was. But anyway, all right, well, let's leave that for another day. Tim, yeah,
4: go ahead. I'm sorry, I was going to say the issue is structural. He's yeah, not check the byproduct of that. I mean there was one free kick in the in the I think second half, centre circle. They passed it through to a guy in the edgy area. And Koshellni had to make an unbelievable tackle to stop them going straight in on goal. And only just turned around and just pointed at the midfield. There was just nothing there. we can't be judging the keeper if we just if we if our last line of defence is almost our first line of defence and um, yes he's not getting younger yes we know there's a change coming with a year 18 months but my goodness structurally we are shambles yeah. when we're not focused because we weren't saying that for the first game at Stanford Bridge where we were focused and struck we were excellent. So Yeah I mean, play I, when we like.
1: I, I don't remember how the the situation developed, but I think we'll all remember and Paul, you may have even seen on the highlights the Elneny tackle, the last ditch from behind in the <clears throat> box tackle yeah. that he yeah. managed. I mean, it's a phenomenal tackle but you should never be in that situation and so Tim, I want to kind of finish off with this and, and that's mustafi i sorry
4: me. Uh, c- yeah. i gotta say something <laughs> we never we never we never say why we never say why that's happening we don't call out the people that need to be called out we don't say the people who are not doing their job correctly not standing no. in the right places i, I try to I don't, frequently. I, don't, I don't think we call <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> <laughs> i think no, i I'm not i think we need to really call people out on this right i think Shaka's part of it. El Nelly is part of it. Rams is part of it as well. Erzl's lack of running back is part of it. They're all part of this. They are Awobi's ineffective defensive play when he feels like is part of it. It's it's something we we need to call out. There there are some people who are our favorites that get away with it and they play where they like and stand where they like and then we watch the game and there's just big gaps in the in the team and I find it really frustrating. That this is this is happening, and I I think my internet's going bad, so I'm going to stop right now. Um, (laughs) I just I just assumed that you were emphasizing certain
1: words for for to to
4: (laughs) re-emphasize the point. I find it really frustrating. We call people out and and say, well, look, you've come, you're playing, and suddenly you're playing high up, and you're not recognising what needs to happen. (laughs) For a while, he's... Three times. When are we going to recognise this and adjust to what the game's doing? We got away with it, at Chelsea, at the Emirates. We adjusted okay. timely enough and came out with a game plan. We need to be far more fluid when people are running through our middle to to adjust our position tactically. Yeah. So we can not get beaten by the bottom team in the league.
1: Yeah, and and uh, yeah, that's that's a good starting point. I mean, look, I, I tweeted you it. You have
2: day. to say that, Clive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> at, at one point, yeah, that's just kicking kicking the dog. I mean, look, at one point, I tweeted out. Lauren Koshelny was 35 yards from their their goal, and he was our deepest defender. We had 10 guys in their half within 35 yards of their goal. Um, I just I don't know how that could be the plan. But, Tim, I'm, I'm struggling with Mustafi, and I, I know I tend to mm. get this way with certain players, so I always like to kind of hear a rational perspective instead of just my knee-jerk reaction. But I thought this was a really rough game for him. He had one situation where mm. he dived in wildly and missed his challenge, and they were in. Uh, I think he is very much uh, at fault in the back pass he gives check, but he's also very much at fault for their third goal, the way he gets beaten easily to the byline. He um, uh-huh. he seems to be a player who cannot tackle standing up. He just does not have that calmness about him. I realize that we like him for his distribution and maybe his defending further up the pitch, but the closer he gets to goal, he seems to really struggle. Do you, um, do you see the same challenges with Mustafi, or do you think he's just a victim yeah. of, of what everybody is, which is the bad system?
3: Yeah, it's a little bit of both. So I mean, he's he's a kind of front foot defender, and you know it's high risk, high reward stuff. So you know you expect, I think, the odd mistake from um, from a defender like that. But there are just too many of them from Mustafi, and he's he's a really difficult defender to read because he's he rarely he rarely has a six or seven out of ten. He's either brilliant or he has, or it's an absolute clown show. Um, and it's not always just because you know he dives in a lot and sometimes that goes right and sometimes it goes wrong I have seen performances for him where he has looked mature and assured and he's not been rushing in and diving in so I I really I don't know what causes it at all but he seems very very flaky and it's I I don't know I still feel like even after 18 months a bit too early to read how much that's him and how much that's us infecting him it seems like a a bit of both, really, which is actually a really worrying combination.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, this... I am right in saying this was a rough outing for him, correct?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was awful.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's its worrying only because obviously we're going to come on to the transfers now here in a second. Um, we've added quality uh, up the pitch. We haven't really addressed anything uh, in the defensive or midfield areas, and I guess we're just going to try to win 7-5 every match. So let's <laughs> do this. Let's get uh, Scott's take on the match statistically, and then a little bit of uh, what we can expect from Aubameyang in terms of his statistics and what he's been doing at Dortmund all this time. And then we'll come back and talk about the good news floating around the club, which has nothing to do with football, unfortunately. So we'll talk to Scott, and we'll be right back. (laughs) joined by scott you can find him on twitter at o underscore that underscore crab and find his great work on crabstats.blogspot.com. uh you can also additionally find him on uh, the short fuse where he's doing some great writing as well scott welcome
5: thank you hello
1: yeah well so unfortunately we're going to talk about the swansea game but fortunately we're also going to talk about abami so let's start with the bad get it out of the way and then we can celebrate a little bit so as far as the swansea game goes this wasn't the unlucky loss that we sometimes suffer was
5: it No, this really wasn't. So, I mean, if you looked at Swansea against Liverpool last or over the weekend, that would have been more of an unlucky loss. Uh, This one, Swansea pretty much dominated um, based on almost any measure that you can look at, um, you know, outside of, you know, possession, which Arsenal had a lot of sterile possession. Um, But the overall um, stats were all in Swansea's favor. So, not good for Arsenal.
1: How'd the XG come out?
5: Um, I have the XG at Swansea at 2.51, Arsenal 1.22.
1: So not great from either standpoint. You don't want to be giving up 2.51 XG, and you'd like to be creating more than one in change. So really, great job shitting the bet at both sides of the pitch, which is which is fantastic. Anything else jump out at you? I've been seeing statistics floating around about uh, checks, errors, and our, our away form. Anything in particular you want to dive into before we talk about where this leaves us in the league?
5: I mean, just in general on errors, um, almost any time you're going to see um, an error, it's a bad, bad thing that happened. Because um, it's, it's one of those things like when they're classified by Opta, it usually almost always leads to um, a goal or a big chance. Interesting. So a lot of, a lot of times, like, you, you know, somebody gets dispossessed, which to me is an error. Like there was a, a spot where Aaron Ramsey was um, kind of holding on to the ball in midfield, got his pocket picked, and a fast break started. That's not classified as an error, even though to me that is huh. kind of a brain fart situation. So to me, an error, or something, uh, and uh, the stat error um, comes with a lot of um, problems. Um, so when people, you know, post those kinds of things to me, it doesn't really give you a ton of information. That's just my two cents on it. Well, it sounds like
1: it has other conditions baked into it, right? So in order it for it to be an error, does. you yeah, have to so you- do something bad and then have other things happen subsequent to that, which is unrelated to the thing you did bad, potentially.
5: Yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's not the, the most telling of stats. Um, I, you know, it definitely does tell you something that, you know, a major screw-up happened. But huh. to me, there's other major screw-ups that happen in the game that don't get counted as an error because whatever happened afterwards necessarily didn't huh. meet the other check marks to, to get. I don't have the... Maybe I'll have to check with uh, Orvino on twitter to see if he has a, a full definition of what they count as an error because to me watching the game there's other things that i think that you could definitely see um, get go into that error stat so i kind of stay away from looking at those too much
1: fair enough i mean i think we can agree that failing to kick a football that has been passed to you uh, beyond uh onrushing attackers is an error but similarly probably not uh going to show up in the statistics I think it was an error for Granite Shaka to decide to get his phone out and go on Twitter while uh, Klukas was running by him. So you know, I mean,
5: that does actually did get counted as an error. Also, wait, yeah, not not tracking the runner.
1: Shaka's that's that's an error, huh?
5: That that was counted oh. as an error.
1: Well, that is interesting, and that is an error. So maybe I like the statistic more than you do. We'll see. Um, well, look, what is really an error is not beating the bottom side when you're desperate to get back into the top four race, and our odds of staying in the top four race hadn't looked very good. They Got to look even worse now. Where do we stand there?
5: Yeah, so before the match, I had Arsenal at 11.1%. And now after the match, I have um, Arsenal at 5.1%. So this was a a pretty major loss. Um, Arsenal were um, defending two expected points um, for this match. So dropping those points was huge. Um, Although we weren't the worst team of the weekend. That would have going to Chelsea and their 3-0 loss at home to Bournemouth. That one, they lost um, almost 10% in their top four lo- um, odds. I had them as you know a pretty good chance of actually coming in second, but after that loss, um, they are just holding on to a top four spot.
1: Yeah, and it makes us feel that much dumber because I think having won at Swansea with Aubameyang coming in and Mkhitaryan being integrated, we would have probably felt you know United losing as well. That maybe, just maybe, the race is on. Maybe we could pull something off at Wembley against Spurs in a couple of weekends and and you're looking at top four, but now it it seems like a distant memory. But that's that's the uh, – and one thing I want to ask you just really quickly, Scott, I noticed that your um, odds for us making top four I think are longer than what I see elsewhere, like the betting markets and places like that. Do you have any idea why you may show us as having less of a chance? Would that just be because you're a knowledgeable Arsenal fan and you know that if there's a chance for us to fuck it up, we will? Or is there something baked into your statistics?
5: Um, you know, I'm I'm really not sure because, I mean, if I go to look at my team ratings, um, I have Arsenal at, rated as the third best team. So I, I honestly don't know how other people have Arsenal higher in their actual projections because, to me, anytime you think that you have to... So when you're behind a team, you have to not just make up those points. You have to play better than them. But Arsenal had two teams ahead of them for a fourth fourth-place spot. So that means not only do they have to make up points on one team, but they have to do that for two teams. And there's only you know what, now 13 games left in the season and they got to do that. And uh, yeah, I, I understand. And we don't play don't Chelsea or how...
1: Liverpool again and we play away at Spurs. So it's not like we have, you know, Chelsea, Liverpool and Spurs all at home, all chances to make up points on them either.
5: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, I was pretty down um, before that. So I, I, I don't know why other, or other projection models showed us with a well, better and, chance of top four.
1: And look, maybe the betting markets are a little bit manipulated in some respects to encourage betting. Who knows? And they are moved by where the money goes. So it's, That's it's, true. Yeah, I mean, it's not totally impacted by statistics the way your model is. In any event, let's get off the negative stuff because there's a new player, and he's good. Pierre yeah, Emmerich I really like him. Yeah, so... In terms of his arrival, how excited are you? Putting aside things like age and squad building and whether it's the right move under those circumstances or the fact that we already had Lacazette, this is a guy who has some dominant statistics. Why don't you walk us through where he ranks in terms of strikers, chance creation, chance uh, XG, all of the things that make him uh, a premier striker in European football. For people who are maybe curious as to whether he really is worth the money and the hype, uh, maybe you can put them at ease that he is worth the money and the hype.
5: Yeah, so I, you know uh, how I like to, to do the radar thing. So one of the, the things that I've been working on recently was trying to key in on more specific um, attributes that I want to be able to measure. So I, I had a previously, I had a, a forward radar that looked at kind of you know the general um, characteristics of a forward, but then I just wanted to look specifically at a shooting skill, you know, because that's really what you want out of your your center forward is someone who can. You know, convert those chances into goals. So when I actually looked at um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I hope I'm doing my pronunciation better. I, I You've nailed
1: it, buddy. Times. You've nailed it. Those <laughs> those language courses are paying off for you.
5: Yeah, Duolingo, man. Yeah. Um, but so when I was looking at him on the shooting radar, he basically ranks in the, the 90th percentile or higher for just about every stat that you'd look at. So shots per 90, he's at the 99th percentile. On target per 90, He's almost at the hundredth percentile. This is in Europe's tar- top
1: five leagues, or just the Bundesliga?
5: This is the top five leagues. Got it. Okay, great. Um, Even better. On his, you know, his conversion rate for shots on target, he's just below ninety percent. Um, his average distance um, in shots, he's you know right at that ninetieth percentile. So that means his shots are very close to goal. You know, that classic poacher. Um, the number of big chances he is able to get per nineties at the 99th percentile. The number of danger zone shots, 99th percentile goals for 90 99th percentile xg per 90 98th percentile His xg per shot 98th percentile and touches per box touches in the box for 90 99th percentile so basically he is off the charts good at the things that you want a striker to be good at
1: let's let's dive into the xg per 90 first of all i thought he was leading the top five big leagues in terms of uh xg per 90 he was just ahead of kane or is that just strikers is there something that maybe i'm missing i'd seen a chart going around where he was the leader in that statistic
5: um so i don't have that one pulled up in front of me but i have him at 0.88 per 90 and i think there might i I don't remember who's in front was possibly in front of him but he there wouldn't be very many so he's yeah, right at that very top Um,
1: and and maybe there are some that are just ahead of him that have lower volume and were eliminated by um Whatever the criteria were for the, for the chart, that's that's
5: like that. very true. So yeah, this one I do have him looking at. So this is a minimum of, of thirty shots this year for all of these stats for okay. the percentiles.
1: Um, and you know, look, I think there are some people, Scott, that worry. Okay, well, great. He's a classic poacher, is what you're telling me. And we don't create enough chances, so we you know we don't provide services is, is the thing here. You know, for why Lock, is that struggling? For example, I tend to lean towards the idea that if your xG per ninety is that high creating opportunities to score goals is a skill. Like you look at Edison Cavani and Cavani takes an absolute ton of shots and has a ton of chances. And that's a skill. Now I realize he plays in an exceptional team and in a league that might be weaker, but where do you stand on the idea of him being able to reproduce these kinds of numbers in an arsenal team that doesn't always look like a well-oiled machine?
5: I think that being able, you're right, getting, being able to get shots off, is a skill. Being in the right place at the right time is just something that certain people have a knack for doing. Um, And I think that also, you know, getting those big chances, I think that is something that you can definitely see as a skill that a player has um, an idea of seeing a play developing and knowing where to get to be in the right situation. You can see this kind of thing with like Aaron Ramsey too. Um, He just finds a way to get those shots off, get in the right spot um, where other people might just be that step slow to be able to find where that ball's going to be. There are just certain players that seem to always pop up and be able to get those shots. Yeah, Ramsey um, just has a
1: conversion issue. And and I guess, look, I, and this is not to knock Lacazette, because I think Lacazette is a very skillful and talented player, but in terms of an XG per 90 standpoint, he wasn't even in the same area code, zip code, ballpark as Aubameyang, correct?
5: That's right, yeah. So he's at .5, which is still a very good number, but we're talking about someone who is a very good versus someone who's maybe one of the top three players in Europe. Yeah. Because um, that's, that was the big thing. So if you look at the, the shooting radars, El- Alexander Lacazette's radar is really good, but Obama Yang's radar just takes all those spots where Lacazette is really good and puts them to, Oh my God, is that even fair level?
1: Yeah. Yep. That's great. Well, look, I mean, that, that definitely is a reason to get excited. I'm assuming that, uh, we will get the chance to enjoy him coming on in the 85th minute, uh, against Everton on Saturday. Uh, anything else you want to finish up with in terms of our, our new looking squad?
5: Um, to me, I think it it looks good. I, I hope that this is a, it seems like this is a, a medium term plan. Um, to kind of rebuild things for the summer, it's not. It's definitely not uh, long-term signings that Arsenal have made. You know, a lot of these guys are twenty-eight, twenty-nine. Um, in yeah, lock or, I'm sorry, uh, Ozil re-signing. He's twenty-nine. Aubameyang, twenty-eight. mikatarian twenty-nine. So these are definitely medium-term signings. But I think these guys still can be good for the next two to three years um, before they really start falling off. And so this does give. A transition if there is some sort of a transition coming to be able to bring in their own guys without hurting the team in the short term so i I think it's a there is a i think a plan that you can kind of see it's let's see what we can do for the next two to three years try to re-solidify a top four team and then look to hopefully get some younger guys in with the next manager
1: yeah, I, well, I think that's an upbeat, optimistic way to look at it, and I don't have a problem with that, given that there's always plenty of doom and gloom around. It doesn't hurt to occasionally be a little bit optimistic about things. Uh, if you want more of this optimism that is uh, driven by underlying data, you can find it on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crab. You can find it on the web, the internet, that thing is still around, uh, at crabstats.blogspot.com or at the Short Fuse, where he writes uh, a column. You'll also see some really cool videos that he posts on Twitter of the highest and lowest xg chances um in the league every week and it's really nice to look at because it gives you a better idea visually of how these models account for these chances and, and you can see if you agree disagree understand where the flaws in the model are with the strengths of the model are and so on and so forth so any event scott uh thanks as always for coming on and hopefully we can talk to you after the big win over everton with obama Yang, uh notching his first hat trick for us.
5: yeah that sounds good to me
1: sounds good to me too all right we'll talk to you then
5: all right bye bye
1: Okay, so just about what you expected, not a good game against Swansea, good player coming into Obamyang. a lot more than that happening, and uh, I think we should start with the big news actually that's not a transfer, but a signing. Uh, Paul, we have re-signed Mesut Ozil. the reported wages I think are £350,000 a week, which means we are willing to really go the extra mile to pay a player what they would expect to make at the biggest clubs and that's i think only a good sign i mean i know we tend to get on our soapbox about oh football's gone the money in football's ridiculous but then out of the other side of our mouth want us to be paying what the top club's pay in going wage and i think that's what going rate is for someone to mess quality so how important uh is this signing for you or re-signing i should say
2: It's fucking huge. Uh, I'd be interested as we go around to get everybody's vote on it, but I think it's actually the biggest deal of this window um, in terms of importance to the club and especially when, yes, the player, uh, the vote of confidence, but the significance of it going forward. I mean, this is... If he keeps doing what he's done this season, this is his team. And I'm guessing that's the pitch they made to him. I I can't believe that this was just because he loves playing for arson. In fact, I think it might that would continue to be the issue going forward. And somehow they've con- persuaded Ozil that the future is bright and rosy, and you could have many uh, posticulations, whatever they are, on, um, <laughs> on how you would persuade Ozil that the future will be different to the past. And it can't be eighteen months from now, can it? He's he's only here for three and a half years, so there's a lot of pennies that drop with this. But just talking about Ozil, I mean, it's just to me, it's huge. Yeah. Uh, last year, if you told me he was re-signing, um, based on some of the the performances and the responses, but by-
1: yeah. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, it is an absolutely massive, massive uh, signing for... The
2: first two years were damn good. Mm -hmm. Same with Sanchez's first two years. And, you know, Ozil has heard the pitch from Wenger that we would build around him and bring in world-class talent. And we brought in Sanchez the year after that, and then it stopped. So I don't think Wenger could make the pitch to Ozil that, hey, we're going to build around you and we're going to bring in world-class talent because... He's heard that before. I think it has to be far, far more than hearing well, let me from ask Arson. You, do you yeah.
1: do you buy at all the rumors that yes. have popped up that Arson may be going and that Joachim Lowe, Love, Love, how, how do you say that? Lowe? Love? Love. Okay, Joachim Love would would replace well, him. For I mean, me. yeah. Do you do you give that any credence and if so do you think that may have been a part of this decision?
2: Well, I don't know about Love. Uh, obviously, well, I do actually.
1: <laughs> that, that's that's so, the saddest thing you've ever said on this podcast. No, <laughs>
3: no, I do. Do you, do you want to know what love is, Paul? No, I want I'm you good. to show me, Tim. <laughs> no.
2: So there was this young girl, Arabella. I was seventeen; she was sixteen. Perhaps some would call it. oh sorry. Where was I? So I've no idea about Joachim Rüth. Now, to go from arson to the nose picker. Is quite the golf in class, but but may and you know, he's not known as the mo- world's most tactical, technical coach, so there's a big discussion to be had, but I'm not the right one to have it. But I definitely think so. You think uh, where there's smoke, also,
1: there may be some fire there,
2: yeah. Now, who knows what it could be? They could bring in the next Nagelsman under Wenger, and string Fenger out for another. And I I use these terms. It's very disrespectful to our beloved manager, who I love as much as anybody. So imagine this is somebody else saying it, because I feel feel like I'm stabbing the man in the back. I'd love somehow for this to be a happy ending for everybody and for us to win and for him to go out into the sunset with glorious victories behind him. I'm not sure how that happens. But we've got to have, you know, Sven... Ivan, Ivan's PowerPoints, and Raul must have had a damn good talk with Ozil to get him to re-sign. I think it's huge. And given that Ozil maybe has better access to information, well, I hope so, than we do, (laughs) maybe we should all be very heartened by Ozil signing uh, in a way that we're not quite appreciating right now.
1: Yeah, I think it's huge. And look, I mean, you have to come to realize how these clubs are run right now. I mean, when you think of Manchester United, you think of Paul Pogba. You think of, even today probably, some people around the world think of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You're now going to think of Alexis, Yachbamit. When you think of Chelsea, it's Eden Hazard. When you think of City, I mean, where do you start? But Kun probably right up there. Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, they've got these talents, but the fact is that yeah,
2: De Bruyne to, is probably the franchise player now.
1: Isn't yeah, he? but these and, clubs and Ozil, yeah.
5: is
2: ours.
1: Yeah, but and that's the point. These clubs need these these star players for their commercial deals, for their hashtag brand. They need them to attract other players. And I know this sounds silly, but Mesut Özil has double the followers on Twitter that Arsenal does. I mean, you know, this is a yeah. massive star player, and he is the player that is really what we're building our brand around. I mean, you, you look at Aubameyang, and no matter how good you think he is. He's got eight hundred thousand Twitter followers, and by the way, I I realize that is a sophomoric analysis. What I'm trying to point out is that, from a marketing and commercial standpoint, there is a benefit to tying down a player that you can really build a brand around. Football aside, because as we've discussed, we're not really going to try to operate as a football club anymore. So, yeah, final final thought there, Paul.
2: Yeah, just to cap it. I mean, conversely, Ozil has made the same decision about Arsenal, and he's looked at the facts. He's heard the story. And he has—he's judged that this is where he wants to spend his future. Yeah, the money's a big deal, but I—he uh, was going to leave on a free. He would have got big money somewhere else, probably United if he wanted it. And he chose this, and it isn't because he loves London, and it ain't because he loves playing for Arson. And I'm not saying it means Arson's gone this summer, but it probably does. Whatever the pitch was, Arson Stain are gone this summer. Ozil likes what's coming, so in the basis in the absence of any other good news, apart from a couple of signings, I think maybe we should consider being heartened by the Ozil signing for more than just the fact that Ozil signed.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, it it is a massive, massive move for the club. I think from a footballing standpoint, from a commercial standpoint, I don't think you can dismiss the importance of London and the role London plays. Apparently, his fiance really likes it there. Uh, You know, and and that will come up in another topic momentarily, Um,
2: but it is. I I think most career guys have gotten their wives to move somewhere for two or three years, and and most career guys aren't World Cup winners, paid x hundred million dollars. You know, I think if those who wanted to go anywhere. His girlfriend's coming with him.
1: Yeah, oh, sh- sure. But I mean, I think liking where you live can be yeah. a reason to stay.
3: Um, I now, mean, when you're 29, I well, don't think so. look at Olivier. Really. And that will be he also just, why Olivier Giroud went to Chelsea. That has yeah. been exactly. a massive factor. Yeah, but Olivier is different because, like,
2: he cheated on his wife. And she has him by the balls. <laughs> all right,
1: you know we're we're not playing. We're not going to play amateur psychologist here because you might start I talking. Am. Well, you might start doing it to me, game. and then and then I'll get uncomfortable. Uh, Clive, it's all I've got. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I think look, Mesut staying is massive, but obviously for a man who lays on chances at a rate that nobody else in Europe does, someone has to convert them, and that someone looks now like it's going to be uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. I, this is tough for me because I love Aubameyang. I've had a crush on him. Everybody has their player that they wish they could see at their club, and this is that guy for me, and I'm getting him, and I'm really excited about it. Whether it's the right move long term, we can we can touch on that at the very end, but as far as your excitement level for this player and your sense of how he will fit in, wh- where does that stand for you?
4: Yeah, right up there. I mean, he, he just looks like an Arsenal player, doesn't he, straight away. He's the forward. You go around the world centre-forwards, when people talk about Benzema, I was thinking I was always thinking of Bammyang. Ju- he just reminds me of, of Thierry Henry, which is probably we talk about brand. I Terry Thierry Henry still the biggest Arsenal brand out there. I mean, how many people have you met that support Arsenal because of Thierry Henry? Well, I mean, Yang I mean,
1: himself said, you know, Henry was a big factor in him coming to Arsenal because of what <laughs> um, he did. What shirt
3: camp. number did he
4: take? Fourteen. Yeah. yeah, I think he. I think he's singly the most biggest brand we have, and I just I bet you. The Cronkites would love to have him involved with the club because the club would just explode. So uh, Bam Yang is one of those one of those players. It's going to be interesting to see how how he does from a from a player profile perspective. He's he's perfect really, and the reason why he's good, he can if we're trapped, he can he can break. also his movement in the box is 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 really really rapid. He, he reminds me. Of, of like Gary Lineker in the box. Gary Lineker was very fast in the box. He sprinted to the ball. And there was a moment in the Swansea game when Mkhitaryan had the ball on the left-hand corner. And normally we would recycle it out and go around the horseshoe. He whipped the ball across the face of the area. And Lacazette was on his heels. And I thought to myself that's interesting he's doing things quite quickly he's doing things quite instantly and the Bama used to that he's used to quick movements quick passes coming through I think he's going to flourish with Ozil and Mkhitaryan around him one he knows and, and Ozil can get to know anybody I think the Ozil thing is just to touch on that I think it's massive and not just because he's staying because I had a little inkling he would stay. He just spent 11 million pound on a house. He doesn't really want to move. I think he was always going to stay, but it did get a bit hairy there for a moment. But what it what it's done? It's not that he's staying, but it's the it's the wages that he's on. That wage number has has taken him up into must be the top ten in the world, and that means I wanted the shape of our squads going to change. This is be projected now. We have got the Barcelona guy coming in, and what do Barcelona do? They have. A number of highly paid players, and then they supplement that with younger players. I wonder if the makeup of our squad will change once that numbers come in. Because if you're if you're bringing somebody in now, everyone knows what the top paid players getting. And it's going to be interesting to see what we do, what the summer holds. We could see a number of maybe smart buys, a couple of free transfers, contracts running down of good players that we can now convince to come because we've got some poster children.
6: Could it mean the, the end
1: of Ramsey? Could it mean we cash in on Ramsey? Because if you look at Lacazette, Aubameyang, Ozil, and Mikatarian, right there, those are four big, big contracts already. And last year the deal for Ramsey next summer, are we going is he a player we're gonna want to give two hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand a week to?
4: I, I, I'm not sure. And, uh, and that is a really great question. And this is what we, I spoke about this a little bit last week, about maturity of being ready to let our favourites go. is a, a popular player amongst people that love him and an unpopular player amongst people that don't. And, and I personally think he's very, very marketable for a sale to get the player that we're all moaning about that's not in our midfield right now. Like we need something quite special to hold on midfield. And if we're going to invest in Jack and Jack gets his contract, we're sitting there now with Jack has got a four year contract in his pocket, and Ramsey's got a year and a half, is it? Or maybe a year and a It'll half to It'll be a go. year
1: this summer, yeah. So, th- so ne- next season, there's would a be decision
4: to be made. There's a decision to make. If we invest in Ramsey, absolutely fine. Well, I spoke about his injury record, and Jack and Ramsey's injury record makes them one player. But this is the decisions you have to make at times. If there's a big number there to get somebody, just imagine if Nabi Keita was on the market, for example. That's the sort of thing that we need to do to fix the problems that we have. Now, I'm not saying that he has to go, but I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if him and Welbeck went because contractually they're not in a great place. And if we're now investing in these backroom people, do you think they're going to let these people go into last year of the contracts again? No way. It's either sign or you, or you go, right? So that's going to be interesting. But I wonder if the makeup of squad's going to change younger players that we are now sending out on loan to prepare for preseason underpinning a much higher wage bill around four five six people superstar players that help build the brand of the club as we alluded to um, earlier on
1: yeah well and let's remember look if let's say for a second we don't get champions league football next year let's just say we're going to be limited by premier league ffp rules in terms of how much we can grow our wages and I got to believe that Aaron Ramsey's going to look around. He may not think he deserves the 350 that Metsit's on, but I think he's going to expect to be over 200, and there'll be clubs that may be willing to yeah. offer that to him. And it may be a question Elliot, of whether we – yeah,
4: go ahead. Sorry, mate. No, please. He needs to look around at, at Oxlade, Chamberlain, and Theo Walcott and just seeing how – I know it's only a short term, but see how rejuvenated they look just by changing their, their workplace – right? It may not I mean, last for long.
1: To be fair, we could point uh, to people uh, like Alex Slab and Alex Song and you know, other guys that, that we, didn't fare so we, well when they left.
4: <laughs> we, we could, yeah, absolutely load to them to be fair. But it's it's quite interesting that sometimes you just need to change your job and you find things within yourself that he didn't realise that yeah. were there lying dormant. Okay. It's great that Theo Walcott's doing what he's doing. I know it's only a short sample size, small sample size. I'm not upset to see the Ox doing fairly well at Liverpool. And if Aaron Ramsey, who we've had, we polarised over, it, if he decides that he wants to go, then fair play to him. Go and do something else rather than try to fit into his team and uh, that way it doesn't always work. But if if the, if the club's going to invest in him, then fair play to him. Try and keep fit. The best ability for an athlete is availability. Can you be more available? Can you play more games? Can we rotate you so you don't break down? Because he's a very good player. Yeah. At least we know what our what our future holds. But these decisions we need to make at the right time and not have the situation that we had with Alexis and Erzl this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, obviously, the, the one thing that we have to all factor into this that none of us have brought up, and Tim, I, I realize I need to give you a good long shot here because you may have brought it up because <laughs> you tend to see 360 degrees around the problem. Paul and Clive, not so much. So I'm going to have to be the one to raise the point.
2: 720, mate. 720. We, yeah,
1: we, we have, uh, we have a, a coin now, right? We, we have an ICO. We have, we have a cryptocurrency. And so we, we don't even have to worry about money anymore. Right, because step one get a <laughs> cryptocurrency. Step two, get paid.
2: So, like, we need to get blockchain into our. We have it. Midfield lineup. We, we you didn't see the
1: unveiling with the number ten shirt. We we have a cryptocurrency did, yeah.
2: now. So I mean, yeah, yeah, but all of our
1: money problems our are solved. Oh, block. Well, look, a blockchain. <laughs> I, I think I tweeted to someone that what's a blockchain and can we lay it across our goal? Um. So okay, Tim. <laughs> all kidding aside, although I'm not kidding. Now that we have a cryptocurrency, <laughs> our, our money worries are behind us. Um. Not mine personally, sadly. Uh, let's do this real quick because I think it has to be done, and I am probably not the guy to do it. Uh, we need to eulogize uh, Olivier Giroud. We need to give the, the send-off he deserves. So I'm not going to do it for reasons that you may or may not be aware
4: of. Why? 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 Tell, tell.
1: I, I don't know, just because I thought he was really mediocre. Um, so, Tim, I guess the first thing is you know maybe just give Olivier Giroud a send-off, and then maybe you and I can have a quick uh, discourse on how to – Evaluate Olivier Giroud and the move we've made.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I've written about it for this week, actually. I did and see one that. of the things that really, really makes Giroud very interesting is that um, the less he played, the more popular he became with the fans, and the more the more valuable he became. And uh, what's you know, and I know we've already had this discussion about how you know, and and he was you know he was loyal to Arsenal. He did behave um, for the most part um he provided strong com- competition every time you know Wenger took him out of the team he you know he didn't sulk he fought he fought to get back in and that was <clears throat> conversely that was exactly what made him a really good squad player that he pushed that person that was ahead of him as and when there was someone ahead of him um but yeah what's really amazing is that now he's been like almost totally marginalized um he's become much more popular with the fans and All of a sudden, Chelsea are interested. So, you know, we've had this discussion about players being as loyal as their options. And, you know, Giroud was good to Arsenal. But, you know, Arsenal was a pretty sweet deal for Olivier Giroud as well. And, you know, it's not like the likes of Barca or even, you know, Man City or someone like that were snipping around. But what's incredible is that he's become even more commodifiable at the age of 31 when he's barely kicking a ball. Um, because of what he offers from the bench, because of what he offers as an impact sub, as a rotation option. Um, and he'll probably fit Chelsea more than he will Arsenal at the moment. Arsenal have taken a little step away from him stylistically um, with some of the players we've brought in now. Whereas Chelsea, you know, you look at the, Im- the amount of headed goals Morata scores and you could see Giroud on the end of some of them. Um, you know, Chelsea Chelsea do get crosses in. I'll Ar- Ars- Wing backs focus on getting to the byline, and whereas Chelsea's, you know, Alonso Moses, they put some crosses in. As Pillarqueta is very good at that as well. So it's it's stylistically a fit, and I think we can all accept that the London factor has worked for Arsenal um, on a lot of occasions. Now this time it's probably worked a bit against us because he wanted to go to Chelsea and not Borussia Dortmund, which you know I understand for him and his family um, that that makes more sense. So. You know, it kind of sucks that I think he's going to strengthen Chelsea a little bit, but if you do the maths on this, Aubameyang is going to strengthen Arsenal more than Giroud is going to strengthen Chelsea. And are you upset that he went to Chelsea? I mean,
1: let me ask you this: mm, Would you have not done that deal?
3: Not, not really. No, I'd have, I'd have really, I'd have kind of, you know, maybe whipped out the old Dortmund brochure. Um, although I've been to Dortmund several times, and uh, you know, no offence, there's really nothing there. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's difficult to persuade a guy who's lived in London for five and a half years, who already knows the city, is obviously very settled. Um, I think I read that his wife is pregnant um, again, so the, you know that's obviously a consideration. And so it it kind of sucks. I get it. I get it from his point of view. It, it's not nice seeing him in a Chelsea shirt, but. Um, you know, you take all of that out of it and look at the human side. I get it. Um, I, I perfectly understand. Um, I, w- I kind of wish he'd gone to Dortmund, really, but um, I'm, I'm not upset with him. And as far as the club were concerned, maybe you could say if we'd have got the Young deal done a week earlier, this may never have happened. I, I don't really know enough about the detail to say that for sure. But um, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but I'm not really upset at anyone for it. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's fair. Look, I I struggled to warm to this guy. Some of it is stylistic, right? I I like pacier uh, forwards. I I don't love the big man up front model, and I know he has a lot of technical skill and quality, but he couldn't turn and face. He did have uh, some challenges with his conversion rate for a a few seasons when he started off with us. I mean, his best ever season in the league is 16 goals and 36 starts. I don't Mm -hmm. blame him for that. I think He was bought in when we left Robin van Persie to Manchester United, and he could never be that player or replace what that player did for us. We tried many times. Go ahead. Yep.
3: That's a really important point as well. He he kind of in a way like it is is symptomatic of Arsenal in that you know how Arsenal hit like seventy between seventy and seventy eight points every year, which is kind of consistent and good, but not quite good enough. Yeah. And Olivier Giroud gives you about 20 goals every year consistently, which is good. But, you know, if you're talking about um, punching that glass ceiling, probably just not quite good enough.
1: Yeah, and not league goals, by the way. I mean, so, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, 16 in the league is his best season. He's hit it twice. Other than that, I think 12, 11. Um, and I, look, I, I take your point, and I think it's an important one. He's an exceptional backup option to have because he allows you both to try a plan B, you know, try something different. And he is a very good player. He is a very good player. I think people forget um the limitations he had. I I guess my problem is can can a guy who is backup quality, who is a good, solid backup quality striker, be a club legend? I mean I see a lot of people sending him off mm-hmm. like a legend, and I guess that's where I struggle. I mean I, I don't know that I think he was ever a better player than Theo Walcott was, for example. Now I realize Theo hung around longer and, and you know, he he scored more goals in a shorter span of time. Theo was also a wide forward who missed a lot of time through injury. Giroud is a very attractive man who is very likable as a person. Um,
2: here we go, the Elliot eulogy.
1: Well, I mean, warming yeah, up. Yeah, it's like the Cocklin eulogy. Well, what did you say? I did sodomize him in the coffin or whatever.
2: Sodomized him in the open-faced co- coffin. So yeah. Here okay. we go again. All
1: right, well, anyway, look, without wanting to do that, I just, I guess, from a rational standpoint, I'm not, I'm not thrilled that he went to Chelsea. I do think it strengthens him. I think if the choice was not getting Aubameyang or getting Aubameyang, it's a no-brainer choice. He is 31. I do think a lot of people have posited that because pace is not an important part of his game, um, he'll age better. But I actually think someone who is slow can age worse. Look at it with Per Mertesacker, right? Mertesacker was never quick, but he lost half a step, and it, it became unworkable for him. And I I don't think that that's Mm. an impossible situation with Giroud. That that getting any slower could could really make him too immobile to get get onto the end of crosses, get onto the end of of you know those those front those near post finishes that he likes to get into. Yeah, that's another example. Thirty six
3: still scoring goals.
1: Yeah, so I mean it, it could go the other way. That's absolutely right. I don't I don't know. Look, I I wish it wasn't Chelsea. I think we did the business we had to do. I'm glad we did. As far as that though, Tim, as far as the business we have done. Um, Mm. how do you overall sort of rate and summarize this window? I mean, it is quite extraordinary for us. I I look at this window as us doing the business we kind of should have slash wanted to do in the summer, but somehow managed not to get it done. Um, Is this really just summer 2017 pushed into January?
3: Uh, I think, it. uh, yeah, maybe. I I think of it more as summer 2018 pushed into January and the Ah, club recognizing Mm -hmm. that, yeah yeah the club recognizing they've got a massive rebuild ahead which is probably going to take two or three busy windows um to totally sort and they probably just kind of thought you know what it's it's the world it's a world cup summer it's going to be an absolute meat market all of the elite clubs the super clubs simultaneously have to rebuild um at the same time so i think a lot of activity is going to go down and basically if you're not in that absolute top strata I think uh, that with the World Cup means that a lot of business is going to be done. Um, in my opinion, between about the twenty eighth and thirty first of August, that's when it's going to go down because the elite clubs will do their business. Um, there'll be a World Cup, and then you know everyone else will shake the tree and go for it. And I think Arsenal, maybe maybe I'm giving them too much credit, have kind of foreseen that and said, right, we've we've got to break the back of some of this work early and we've got to do it at a time when perhaps we'll take people by surprise. So there'll be no one in for a bamiang. And you know, I said on the last pod Mikatarian, um I you know, I like I think we got the best out of a bad situation there, but it it doesn't strike me as something we really, really, really wanted. It was just, you know, let let's try and make the best of this. I mean we um, wanted him at one, we wanted point. him at one time. We do not Yeah, that, right? yeah. And and nevertheless, as well, obviously Mikatarian and Abamyang have played together with great success. So, you know, hopefully that will that will help them settle in. Um, and so, yeah, o- overall, I'm I'm quite positive about it. I I think largely we, with the exception of Sanchez, I think we probably got rid of the players we we needed to get rid of and got a bit of money for them. We cleared a bit of the wage bill and stuck it all on um, our star player, which I'm fine with um so overall i put it this way it's better than i was expecting i'd just say as a coder to the abamiyang and ozil um two very quick points one on each of them abamiyang clive you were talking about you know lacazette and in terms of having that attitude and i i was thinking yeah. sh- straight away um you know there have been these kind of doubts uh, raised about abamiyang's attitude and uh, I mean, the first thing I'd say as a club in Arsenal's position, you kind of have to buy a broken egg um, if you want to shop on the top shelf. And like I said in the last pod, it's something we've done a lot down the years. We've taken a slightly broken, um, either <laughs> physically or mentally, a slightly broken but top shelf player. And, um, and you know, we've really benefited from that. But I, I think, uh, I don't think Arsenal minds having um, a bit of a bastard up front. You know, look at Ian Wright, Nicolas Anelka, Omri was, Omri was a hard character to like on the football pitch at times. Um, Sylvain Wiltord, Robin van Persie had that nasty streak. He tried to buy Suarez. He tried to buy Vardy. I, I think Not only, yeah, Adebayor. Like, you can he, go to war with these some, men. You, you can go to war yeah, with
4: these players, right? You yeah. can't go to war with Lacazette. I'm sorry, can't uh, do it. Yeah,
2: and, and I think and, the team as well, Tim, will look upfield and think. They've got a fucking crazy man ahead of them. Yeah. Get him the ball.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, Sanchez had that as well. Um, you know, it, it reminds me, have you ever seen that Simpsons episode where Bart and Homer buy a horse, uh, a racehorse? And he's like, he's a, he's a bit um, he's, he's a bit shy and a bit timid and he gets intimidated and like Homer and Bart turn him into like a bastard and they call him crazy D. Yeah. And he gets like, you know, like a Mohican <laughs> and a nose ring and stuff. It's 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 a bit like that. So, I, you know, I, I think Wenger's fine with having a bit of a bastard up front, a bit of a handful. And on Ozil, just, just to, you know, I, I echo everything everyone else has said. I think it's huge. We've got big sponsorship deals coming up. It's huge for the team. The team stylistically has taken a bit of a leap towards Ozil with the players we've brought in. i I just say, just for balance, something we've got to keep an eye on. Um, I'm sure that we've, you know, we've had to, we've offered him the world, um, and not just financially. I'm sure the pitch was, "This is your team. You're going to play in the position you want to play in," you know, and uh, uh, and it kind of probably reminds me a bit of when we got Henri to sign that last contract, and it was, you know, we are not worthy. We will give you the whole world. It's all going to be yours. And Clive was talking about holding players yeah. to account. And it was a wonderful assist for the first goal. But my God, for their equaliser, he gets absolutely exactly. shrugged off the ball. And we're all very happy with Ozil at the moment. So we're not going to call that out because we wanted him to sign a new deal. And now he signed a new deal. And look, we all know he's not Scott Parker and we're not asking him to be. But, you know, when you... I'm, I'm really sorry to bring this up again. I kind of hate myself for saying it. But when you think of the Flax Sanchez was getting this season um compared, you know compared to like Ozil just getting dumped on the floor like that you know um yeah so that, so that that's just something and I'm not saying that I think that that's going to happen I tend to think with um the the, the way the team is now being uh, now being structured that Urza will thrive on that and he's coming into his his kind of his his peak years but I just really hope that you know we we that we're not afraid to kind of you know to consider him a member of the team you know, you know what, I, yeah, but, but in you, latin great point in, in, in don't latin don't go in latin make is, me feel
1: like an idiot please
3: <laughs> in latin <laughs> the phrase is primus inter paris, which means first among equals and that's fine he, first among equals is absolutely fine but it can't be allowed to become a bit more than that that's yep. just something that the manager's going to have to manage well but and that's hopefully that's the, something
2: the thing he that differentiates him with the Henri stage, is that, you know, Messet's the giver in terms of making yes. other people shine, whereas uh, Henri just used it to get even more sunshine on himself. I, I, I see what you mean, but if he does step up to this being his team, he's going to want to want it to work in both directions. We've seen it this yes. last three or four months. I, I agree, you know, we don't want to see last year's Ozil um, hopefully, he really does see this. You know, he's had to share the limelight with Sanchez, and and you don't really share the limelight with Sanchez. So, it's, to your point, it's going to be fascinating to see has he grown as a man? Will you know? Will he take this on? Will this become his team? Will he care about it going in both directions?
4: I think. Um, I think when we say it's Ozil's team, I think we're having players that suit him. I don't mm. think he's a dominant first He's a deferent player that thinks team first, teammate second, and then himself last. He is somebody that likes to make other people look better. Right. So so he's a team player that I quite like. And team's absolutely right about the first goal. We don't that's what I meant by we don't call it out. We don't call these things out amongst for certain players. When I say we I mean Arsenal fans, not just you guys, right? We need to call these things out. Of course when we see the result and we see Shaka standing there not not spinning his head off his shoulders then we can we can spot that and he's a target so we can highlight it and when we see Mustafa who literally looked like he didn't care we can spot that but let's let's remember there's been many games when Ozil hasn't cared and now he's getting double the weight of everyone else in the in the dressing room it's going to be interesting but I think it's a good thing because now you're lifting it for everybody else he has to he has to step up to it much like Theo Walcott I felt people turned against him when his weight went up if Ozil doesn't play, it would be interesting to see what the um, the fans do because suddenly when you're getting 350, people expect you to play well and carry the kit back to the coach. Do you yeah. Know what I
1: mean? Yeah, I mean as they say in Latin, e pluribus unum, which means money. Um, so, you know, there's that. Um, so, look, I, I think one thing, Tim, to your point though is that you know how you keep a player from feeling above the team? is surrounding him with at least a few other players that he feels are his peers. Yeah, You know, if you put Mesut on 350 and you surround him with Alex Awobi and Reese Nelson and Maitland-Niles, yeah, you may wind up with a problem. But, I mean, if you surround him with Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan and, you know, you bring in some other big characters and and he suddenly feels like he's surrounded by players who are at his level, then I think that's a very different situation. Um, I think Mm. the danger comes when you have... A superstar in your team who is just a much better player than the caliber of talent around him. Um, I think that 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 doesn't work, and hopefully that's not where we're headed. The worry here, I think, we have to be honest about. If you know, if we need someone to rain on our parade, and I'll surely do it in the absence of anyone else. Is that
2: D- Tim did pretty good, and then Clive <laughs> went on a tear on all our players. Uh, I don't think it's necessary, it Elliot. It
1: wasn't quite enough. Let's just go a little further. Um, <laughs> we have Messet Ozil on three hundred fifty thousand a week. He is twenty nine years old. We have Aubameyang coming in. He is getting ready to turn twenty nine years old. Henrik Mkhitaryan's on big money. He is twenty nine years old. the The makeup of the squad right now has a lot of big talent and a lot of big contracts that in two seasons or three will look like dead money, right? We're not, none of these guys are going to command fees or you know sizable fees at the ends of this contract. So presumably, we are going to have these guys on big money leaving for small money in the not too distant future. And so we've rolled the dice with a lot of our funds and a lot of our resources pledged towards the short term. Um, and you can understand why that might be. The club may have determined that getting back into the Champions League and being back among the top sides in Europe and England is the priority, and everything must be mortgaged to do that. But, I mean, t- Tim, real quick, each of you if you want to weigh in on this, is there a concern? I mean, you have to laugh a little bit. If I told you we spent 110, 115 million pounds on two players between August and January— You'd be feeling pretty good if I told you they were both number nines. <laughs> you might say, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Do you have any concern that as happy as we are about um, the, the re-signing of Ozil and the arrival of Obama Yang and, and getting something for Alexis other than just a few pounds, that the squad makeup puts us in a very much win now stance?
3: Yeah, it, it does a bit, yeah. And that's partly the situation we've put ourselves in. I don't think we can underestimate as well the fact that um, the Fly Emirates and Puma deals uh, are up for renegotiation at the end of the season, both of them. Um, And they're both going to be absolutely huge um, in terms of where we can go next. That's such an important point. I mean, even even just in terms of staying on the plateau that we're on, they are going to be huge because we're probably looking at a second successive year without Champions League football. Um, and that's when, you know, one year you can write off as a one-off, particularly Arsenal. Arsenal have, or Arsenal had, enough um, credit in the bank, as it were, to be able to write off one season out of the Champions League. You do two in a row and you start to get into a bit of a funk. And we, we, so it, it's not, I don't think it's entirely sunk cost. If keeping Mesut Ozil and signing Aubameyang um you know like i said i th- I think our needs are a bit short term at the moment but if if those two you know if those two put another like i don't know five to ten million on either of those deals then it's it's money well spent because we'll kind of get it back also i I think that again, not in the long term but in the short term, slightly tempered by the fact that I think we've still actually turned a profit in the last two transfer windows um so you know, yeah, I
2: think our blog thought we were up about twenty million overall.
3: Yeah, yeah, and we only spent net, uh, I think, seven million in this window. So, and we so, had the
2: uh, oxlade Chamberlain money was yeah. mostly profit for us from the last. Yeah,
3: one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so actually, we haven't quite spent as much on all of this as it as it might look. Um, as well, I, I'm sorry, I know I'm getting into talk about net spend, fella. Um, well, don't talk about it, spend. Talk but, about uh,
1: net spend. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but but yeah, so we we have kind of we've made a bit of money um, as well, largely by selling off. Um, you know, by holding a bit of a kind of garage sale. Uh, but yeah, there we go. So I I think that is a little bit of a concern, but at the same time, I I think it's necessary.
1: Well, I, yeah, I don't. I mean, Paul, I know you and you and Clive each want to get a whack at that before we say goodbye. So your turn.
2: Yeah. Yeah, just a quick thought. I mean, Sven potentially has come in big on these, on the Obama Yang Mkhitaryan, and probably Ozil too. I mean, it doesn't hurt if you're the key guy laying out your vision beyond Wenger happens to be uh, Sven Mislintat when you're talking to Ozil. Um But the other part of uh, Sven's game will be uh, using the money you have left to bring in... Uh, players that address the concern you raised which is the player and age profile so he's probably rubbing his hands at that and he's probably praying that uh we let ramsey go he would probably like us to let wiltshire go not because he doesn't necessarily like them as players and rate them but he wants that salary cap and that money to go after players that he has in his rolodex i don't know if people have rolodexes anymore but they, he they, probably they does. definitely don't no in his cell phone yeah that's that's how it works yes so you know it's probably i wouldn't say a perfect combination but it's kind of an ideal scenario for him that he gets these three big hitters signed and re-signed and then after that he wants to supplement that with a whole bunch of players he has ideas for when when you're the guy finding uh prospects throughout europe Uh, even BVB aren't buying them fast enough for you. And he had his problems with BVB over the last couple of years with Klopp and even with Zork. So he's probably got like 30 guys. He's probably worse than Ted Knutson, right? He's got 30 guys he wants in his team. All he wants is a manager to say yes and a club to finance it to get them in. And they won't be the most expensive players because there's no fun in that. He's going to want the next uh, Weigel. So i think it could be really exciting i might be overselling it but it could be a near ideal scenario for a club who happens to have sven sitting there with his rolodex
1: yeah 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 if he's sitting there with his rolodex he should be fired immediately because he's so far behind the times (laughs) clive uh uh, roly so do you you want to uh agree with me that we've done terrible business and the club should be shuttered or no (laughs)
4: <laughs> no it's not terrible business we got out of jail just i'm kidding it by the way i love the business we did just F1. yeah i know yeah i know It's can it's, it's a slight concern about the age but you know 26 28 is a new 26 right sports science rules we know how to look after people i think durability is what you should be looking at games played the amount of games short space of time that's what you should be looking at how many games people miss a bamiyang and Mkhitaryan, I don't think they've got a long touchwood history of injuries. And that's the sort of thing you take into account when you buy people. Some people are just more durable than others, right? Look at LeBron James, he's never injured, right? But other people always break down. And so it's just it's just a way. So I'm not overly concerned. Again, as I said earlier, squad makeup's going to be interesting. I think, I think it's going to be so, the summer, I can almost can't wait. I'm wishing it away because I think post-World Cup, What's going to happen? Are we going to go young? Are we going to go big? Are we going to have a, you know, take the Carl Jenkinsons out of the squad at £45,000 a week? Because that's what he's on. That's what the real issue was, was the, the waste bill structure in them. And those people like Kieran Gibbs, bless him on sixty pounds a week that's a big number when you get three or four of those that's a big number we have made a great effort of reducing some of those people and uh, debushi went today we couldn't sell him so we had to give him away right so that's another number off of our wage bill uh-huh. so i think we're we are doing some housekeeping which is good uh we all call for change some of it's really quite painful i don't like some of it because i'm used to these players but i'm just ready to embrace it and see how we do and it seems as though we're we're embracing that. So yeah. I'm really looking forward.
1: Look, I, sh- I should have mentioned, I am really excited by the business we did. I was laying out that argument in terms of, is there a concern? And I think, of course, there's a concern. Whenever you devote a lot of resources to a certain strategy, you have to ask the question whether that strategy is the right way to go. I think Tim made an excellent point, which is that if this strategy allows us to increase our commercial deals, the increase in our commercial deals can more than fund the expansion of our wage bill that we need it to, um, that's how Manchester United do it it's not how Manchester City do it exactly but it's the way we need to be doing it so I thought that was a, a very important point and oh, while st-
6: oh
2: yeah sure Tim's point was great
1: no I thought you other two I mean Paul and Clive had great points as well it's just that I had taken my headset off for that and and, and just got out of the room. A
0: great so point.
1: I can't really I can't really opine on that but let's do a final 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 thing before we say goodbye just for the hell of it for the fun Tim two quick questions prognosticating for the weekend. Uh, question one, how many goals will Theo Walcott score? <laughs>
3: um, I, I'll go with one. A, a consolation. Just the
1: one? Okay. Um, and then of the Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang, Lacazette trio, which of the three in what combination will start?
3: Uh, I think Aubameyang will be on the bench because that's what he usually does uh, with new signings. I think Mkhitaryan will probably play on the right. Lacazette will keep it place up from um, and obviously Urza will play um, I tend to think maybe Awobi will get um, get a game on the left although and this, this is probably a conversation for another podcast um, given the time we've already gone on uh, given that there's really nobody in that team that properly plays on the right hand side and both Aaron Ramsey and Jack Wilshire have been effective there at different points in their Arsenal career um, you know maybe something to consider there but um, no, I think Iwobi, Ozil, Mkhitaryan behind Lacazette on Saturday. You think
1: Iwobi will get a start again, huh?
3: Yeah, I just can't see I think that will be a else. big talking cool. point. <laughs> I just, I just def- don't see who else. It's either him or Welbeck.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I you, you don't see any, any possibility. Well, I, you've said no, but where Lacazette and Aubameyang both start? No. Okay. Paul, Not uh, at the moment, no. Paul, how many goals will Theo score?
3: Uh, one assist.
1: One assist. And uh, which combination of Aubameyang, Mkhitaryan, and Lacazette will
2: start? Yeah, I think uh, Lacazette and Mkhitaryan,
4: not Ob- Aubameyang.
1: Lacazette, Mkhitaryan. Okay. How many goals will Theo score, Clive?
4: In a team who doesn't have the ball, he will score again. One goal. One goal. And space for him.
1: What's the starting combination?
4: I think Aubameyang starts. I think Lacazette's having a rest and And, that would be a smart thing to do Mkhitaryan starts as well
1: yeah we didn't reference it by the way Mkhitaryan has kind of become the afterthought but I thought he looked good when he came on Uh, admittedly Um, in a game we were chasing so I think it's a little difficult to tell but he could prove to be a very effective player for us Um, Mkhitaryan's
4: best patches came on the right hand side by the way but I think him and Hazel will rotate around and you've really got two proper number 10s behind the center floor. It's going to be interesting to see what happens.
1: So I will say, uh, hat trick for Theo, with three of the most <laughs> sensational blockbuster I'm-not-celebrating celebrations you've ever seen. Uh, I also think that Aubameyang will start along with Mkhitaryan and Lacazette. I think they'll all be out there. I think it's going to be crazy. No, yes. no,
2: you do not. I Seriously?
1: Do <laughs> I do. Are you I, joking? I'm not joking. I think Ozil, Mkhitaryan, Lacazette, Aubameyang, I think they're all going to be out there.
4: All of them. Fuck oh, off! It's going to be Let's amazing. Drop Mustafi. <laughs> <laughs> play one defender. <laughs>
1: drop, drop Shaka. Play Ainsley, Ainsley Maitland-Niles in four or five positions. It's going to be mayhem, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. And I have to say, I know this is so stupid and so FIFA and so Football Manager, but the moves, the shake-up, it's reinvigorated my interest in a season that was starting to lose me a little bit. It's reinvigorated my interest in the club and what we're doing as a club and our urgency to become something, to become something more than just also Rans. I think it is a clear statement that we are not just satisfied with where we are, which people were wondering. So there's a lot to be excited about. Losing to Swansea, I think, may have been the final nail in the top four coffin. And Aubameyang, obviously, is cup tied for the Europa League. But it's still going to be fun to watch. I I think we have said this on the pod a lot. All of us enjoy watching the arsenal whether it's tim at every game clive at some games paul and i you know with our pants around our ankles in front of a tv screen or computer screen uh That's with porn in the small counts. window or whatever it is i mean it, we 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 want to watch great football and great players or at least in theory yield great football and i'm looking forward to it so uh we will come back with a summary of what i assume will be a glorious victory at the emirates on saturday tim is on twitter at still thanks tim
3: my pleasure, as always.
1: As always, uh, Paul's on Twitter at Paws in my pants. Thanks, Pause. Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter at clive p a f c. Clive, thank you.
4: Great stuff, son.
1: Thank you, Dad. Uh, my name's Elliot Smith. <laughs> you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner, uh, and uh, we we certainly invite you to do that. Please give us a five star review. Write nasty things about me in the comments. If you want to just abuse me for never warming to Olivier Giroud, totally understandable. Look, I'll give him this: the man can helicopter a penis like nobody else. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back after the next game, and uh, Scott will be back as well, I-, I presume. So until then, yeah, leave us a review, and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10, Everton 3.
6: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?